There's a big difference between idolizing our heroes and emulating our heroes. In one sense, we love to look to our heroes for inspiration, for doing the right thing and standing up for truth or justice or righteousness and just anything else in between that would make us want to aspire to something bigger than ourselves. But that's also a bit of a tricky thing because heroes of great stories do make us want to aspire to do great things and be of influence. But why is it so difficult to do so? Granted, great heroes are great heroes for a reason. They stand out, they're extraordinary. But they always put on display the things that we wish we could do ourselves. In this episode today, I'm going to look at that exact question that we ask ourselves. If we all know we're supposed to be the hero of our story or any story for that matter, why is it so hard to do it? All right, well, welcome back, everyone. This is Josh J.C. Felto for The Writer's Lens, and this is episode 36, which, if you didn't uh, kind of figure it out from the intro yet, uh, is, if we know we're supposed to be the hero, then why aren't we? And that's a question mark at the end of that statement. This is not a this is not a statement, as it were, but rather a question. And it's part of this hero journey that I'm, I'm going on uh, for storytelling's sake to dive a little bit deeper into just heroic myths, the, the fascination with heroes in general, uh, because I have a, my own fascination with heroes, and I'd like to understand them a little bit better myself. So that's the whole purpose of these next couple of episodes and some of the ones you might have caught or missed uh, previous to this one. But as I laid out in my last episode, I was talking about the hero's journey as established by uh, a few people throughout literary, uh, literary history, but the most recent being Joseph Campbell uh, from the mid-1900s with his book, The Hero of a Thousand Faces. And I found a really good 12-part summation that was on movieoutline.com, so if you ever want to go check that out, I would encourage you to do so, where uh, the author just kind of puts together this 12-step process of what Campbell laid out as being the hero's journey for great storytelling. So all the big epic tales that come to mind, like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Harry Potter, uh, the Dune series would be uh, one that I would say personally that I really enjoyed. Uh, Ender's Game, which is one of the most influential sci-fi books of uh, probably the last five or ten years of my own life. But the hero's journey is this idea that a somewhat ordinary person, an ordinary individual who is living a familiar life, a comfortable life, ends up being thrust into the unknown and has to answer the call to go off on a great quest and bring something back or defeat an ultimate foe. And that's what this this whole idea of the hero's journey entails. But it's, like I said, it's it's moving from something that's known to the unknown. And that's the key element in the hero's journey is that we, we all kind of have to go through this in our lives. And I think that this part alone was good enough reason to create this episode and just continue along this, this journey, as it were, uh, that I'm doing about the hero's journey, to talk a little bit more about what that means, about going from what's known to the unknown. Because I think this is such a, a hard thing for us as individuals to be heroes in our own stories, in our own lives, uh, regardless of the ones that we might read about. So I've, I've put together a couple of uh, talking points on this that I want to go through with you guys. Uh, so for one, it is far easier to live life in the familiar. 
uh, ever since I was a little boy, uh, I wanted to be a pro athlete or I wanted to be a writer. And uh, when dreams of becoming a pro athlete kind of went to the wayside after college, uh, my focus shifted to insurance because that's exactly what you do when you want to be a writer. You go, you go into the insurance field, which is exactly what I did. But I, I always wanted to, to be a writer. And uh, if it, it was going to be an either-or thing, a writer or a pro athlete. And I think as a child, there's something extremely life-giving about having a dream that's untouchable. And I'm the only one who could do it. And it's me alone that could make this thing happen. Because I think most kids do develop these kinds of dreams, uh, at least those who have the ability to create them uh, within their own circumstances. Uh, so if you, if you do have the time to, to think about, well, what do I want to be when I grow up? Like, what do I want to do? You start to formulate this vision of yourself, like what you may be able to do when you get older. And at least that's what I was doing when I was a teenager. And, but for the most part, it was kind of getting thrust down my throat because my generation was getting this, this ideology blanketed over us on a daily basis that we needed to grow up and, and pursue our passions because we can do it and uh, we should f follow that to the end and, and no one will stop us. We're special and there's no one else like us and, uh, you know, on and on and on with that, with that narrative. And perhaps it's just the cynic in me, uh, but I see a lot of flaws in that type of uh, philosophy now that I'm older. You know, I'm 33 years old now uh, in hindsight. And uh, thanks to that kind of rhetoric, I've, I've been able to kind of see sort of the, the problem around feeding this idea consistently uh, that no one's going to stop us from achieving our dreams. I, I think that's an incredibly naive thing to believe if you're an adult. Of course, there's going to be people trying to stop you from achieving your dreams. And that's why, in some sense, uh, kind of bringing this full circle, and I've got a few other points here, why it's so much easier to do what's familiar, why it's so much easier to just do what's comfortable. Uh, when you're a kid and you kind of have that, that naivete about you and you have that innocence where the world is your oyster, and uh, granted, if you, if you have a supportive base, if you have a supportive uh, family, mom and dad are, are, are there, or just mom or just dad, I understand there's a lot of different family dynamics out there. But if you at least have someone that's pushing you from behind and saying you can do it, there is a, an incredible comfort there with knowing that you're not doing it by yourself. And you can kind of envision yourself getting to that place. So long as this person stays with you and you, you keep those words close to, close to the vest. However, as we get older and you, you hear the terminology, the real world comes at you, reality hits you, achieving your dreams becomes a very arduous difficult journey, which ironically is, is feeds into this concept of the hero's journey. You almost have to become the hero of your own journey. And in order to do that, you have to get out of what is known to you and what's familiar, which might even be your own sort of self-grandeur and your self-delusion of that I'm, I can take on the world, I can do whatever I want, to leave what's comfortable and go into something that's uncomfortable because that's the only way you're actually going to grow. Uh, I... I was doing a little bit of research on this very topic about pursuing dreams because I've, I've talked about it in previous episodes about how pursuing passion can be a, an extremely pressurized space to, to occupy as a creative person, as an entrepreneurial person, for the simple fact that there is a bit of a cultural societal pressure to follow your passion, you know, just follow your passion to the end. You know, give it all away and, and, and do whatever is necessary. And I've actually argued against this. I've said that this is not 
actually the best route to take if you're trying to make your dreams a reality. Because through my own experience, which I'll summarize real quick, trying to throw everything in to, or throwing all your eggs in the basket, so to speak, and giving it all away for your passion, you don't win any medals for it, okay? It could make for a great story if you do make it, but those stories are so few and far between that the return on investment that you're looking for is, is unrealistic. And you're going to find yourself in more valleys than you are going to find yourself at the top of mountains. Just realistically speaking, it's by the numbers. It's by experience. Uh, there was a point in time where I was telling myself, I have to go all in. I have to go all in in order to make this writing thing a reality. But the more and more I had to evaluate that mindset, the more I realized I was setting myself up for failure because I became so entrenched in tunnel vision. Okay, tunnel vision of what was familiar to me, which was, this is, nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to make it. And nobody's going to tell me no, essentially. But I hate using the term the real world because it's not something that I think is really uh, substantive to this argument. But in a sense, as you're maturing through life, you realize that you have other responsibilities other than your dreams. You do have to pay your bills. You have to own up to a space of your own residence at some point. You may have a relationship with someone and you have to accommodate to that person. You have to serve that person. You have to say you have children. You have to serve those children. A lot of things that become your pursuits have to become second, third, fourth priorities if you're going to lead a productive life. Uh, and, and this is, of course, a whole lot another phys- philosophical or theological debate. But from my own experience, I can I can speak to that. So I just... I want to lead into that because uh, I did some reading, like I said, coming back again on this topic as we're going through this, about what it means to have a dream or passion and to be just singular, singularly minded about it. And just recently, there was, a, there was an article on Quartz that I found on, on uh, LinkedIn that I follow a few of these different articles or, uh, or publications, and they were talking about how at Yale in Singapore, there was a, a gentleman there... Um, a psychologist who was talking about, well, let's see, he was a, he was a professor, uh, I take that back, a Yale professor at the Yale in Singapore, Paul O'Keefe, who was talking about the difference between having a, a romantic inclination towards life and a, having a growth mindset and how people that have this sort of romanticism about themselves where I'm just going to do anything I want to that's familiar to me and, and that'll work is actually detrimental to your to your growth as a human being. You'll actually find yourself failing more often than not than being successful. And he said to have a fixed pers- perspective, which, like I said, is, is, is believing that there's nothing ever going to stop you uh, and ultimately there will be roadblocks in your life to, be, to being an entrepreneur. He says having this fixed, pers- fixed perspective can have dangerous downsides, including a tendency to abandon interests when faced with any real difficulties. And again, I think this is really interesting when talking about the hero's journey because every great hero has to go from an unknown place into the unknown. And that's a really difficult thing to do for someone if you've kind of created in your head that there are no other ways for me to get there except for X. And I'm, I'm not saying this should be applied to every aspect of your life, but I, I'm just saying that you will have difficulties. You know, in this life, you will have trouble. Uh, in this life, you will have suffering. You will have hard times. Uh, to turn away from them right away 
in some ways could be good, in some context could be could be the right decision. But in, in terms of pursuing things that you believe will give you life at the end of that, uh, or give you more life at the end of whatever it is that you're pursuing, then you need to understand there, there will be those roadblocks. You're going to have those valleys. They're going to be difficult. But to be so singularly uh, set on something can be extremely uh, detrimental to that pursuit. And you have to be able to have more of a mindset of, well, if not this thing, then maybe this thing. And maybe I should try this and, and stop trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole uh, with whatever it is that I'm doing. So I found that to be uh, incredibly uh, insightful in a sense that, that there are people at Yale that are basically talking about this saying, look, following your passion, being singularly minded, doing what you think is familiar to yourself. It's, it's not actually one of the best things that you can do. Uh, so again, coming back to the hero's journey concept, leaving the familiar and going into the unfamiliar is, is not an easy thing to do. It's, it's not an easy thing to do for people and it's a tough thing to do. So, so that's number one. So if it's easier to be in the familiar, uh, you know, what else could there be that would contribute to this idea that I, I don't want to do what's uncomfortable? Well, the second reason why it's so hard is because it's it's not easy being brave. Okay, let's just just let's just be a little bit honest with ourselves here. Let's be a little transparent on this issue. Uh, it's extremely easy to read a story about someone that does something heroic, and then go, "Wow, that's really cool," and then walk away from it, and then kind of in the back of your mind think think to yourself, "That person really had the guts to do something spectacular." But then if you compare it to yourself, are you as brave as the person that you, you've just read about? You know, storytellers tend to use this concept of bravery quite often because it speaks to something inside of us that, that spurns us to want to become brave in, in everything that we do because bravery can lead to confidence. It can lead to uh, better decision-making. It makes us more assertive. It, it allows us to live in the world a little bit better than we did yesterday by being more assertive, being more confident, being brave. Uh, but it's not an easy thing to do. It's, it's definitely not an easy thing to do whatsoever. A uh, good example of this is uh, look at the movie Braveheart, okay, with, uh, with Mel Gibson. There's a duke in that story who ends up betraying William Wallace. Uh, so if, spoiler alert if you've never seen the film. Uh, the duke betrays William Wallace, who is Mel Gibson in this movie, betrays him over to, to the king. Uh, who's trying to destroy this this rebellion that William Wallace is leading against, uh, you know, again against the king, and the Duke chastises himself after doing this. He says, "I wish I was like William Wallace. I wish I had his bravery. I wish I had his passion for what he does. I, I'm just not like him, though." And so there's this moment of of realize, realization for him that he's so insufficient, and he's incapable of being like this guy, which is such a unique paradox, and it's. Or, um, it, or I should say it's such a unique parallel, excuse me, uh, in this story because it points out that every one of us is a lot like the Duke. We're not always William Wallace. We're not always assertive and confident and brave. We're, we're more cowardly in some sense, uh, which leads me into my, my third reasoning uh, in this uh, particular argument about the hero's journey, moving from what's known to unknown, is that since it's not easy being brave, we, we assume in some way someone else will come to our need when we need it, and they'll take care of it. I mean, think of yourself and, and how often you might point fingers at other people and say, well, it was their fault, or it was, 
it was this person that was supposed to take care of that. Or I know that if I sit back long enough, somebody else will speak up and say something about that injustice or about that problem of the world. I don't really have to do anything. I can just kind of sit back for a while. This is such a tendency, I think, of people uh, to do is to have this kind of like hands-off, I don't want to cause any vibes uh, with anything. Um, But like I said before, this doesn't really have anything to do with being super heroic other than it just means taking responsibility. And that's also what the hero does in the hero's journey. By moving from what's known to unknown, you're taking on a new level of responsibility that you never did before. You're, You're moving into a space where I know the world around me enough But now that I'm crossing the threshold, like I was uh, talking about in the last episode, when I cross that threshold, I'm now taking responsibility for not only myself in some sense, but for anybody else that's relying on me to go off into the unknown and fix something or do something or stand up for something. So this part of anyone's story is also really powerful, and it sets an example that if you are that person who's willing to do that, you're you're, you're obviously going to cause waves. And you're going to cause people to really reflect upon themselves and go, well, would I be able to do that? You know, would I be able to stand up and and cross over into the unknown as this person does? Instead of sitting back and saying, okay, someone else will just take care of it. Now, again, as a disclaimer, I'm not calling for people to start a revolution off of my podcast. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. All right, there's obviously just things to to stand up for. And there's things that we ought to... Uh, resolve through civility and discussion and things like that. So uh, don't take this idea, all you creatives, and run with it and say, uh, you know, JCL is telling everybody to, to start a coup somewhere. Okay, I'm, I'm not saying that. So I'm glad we got, we got that out of the way regardless. But the fourth and, and final reasoning that I have here as far as the hero's journey is concerned and moving from the known to the unknown and why it is such a difficult thing to do, why is it so hard for us to be the heroes of our own story, is because, and I, I think this is actually the biggest reason, uh, is that it the hero often has to sacrifice something of equal value to himself or greater in some sense. Um, and I want to make sure I'm, I'm very clear with my words about that. Uh, great heroes of, of any story, uh, the heroes of any tale, typically end up sacrificing a lot in order to achieve the greater goal that is at hand. And like I said before, this concept of moving from familiar to unfamiliar, known to unknown, is a sacrifice that the the individual has to make. I'm no longer going to stay in, in spaces that are safe. I'm going to move out of that safe zone that I've known maybe my whole life, or even my shortened existence, and I'm going to do something that not only is unsafe, but potentially could kill me. Uh, and again, I'm not saying that this is, should be your own life or your own, or uh, something that you're doing in your own life. But in the context of a story, this tends to be, uh, uh, I would say, an, an ongoing theme or a universal theme that the sacrifice component is is almost like putting one's life on the line. Uh, again, I, I go back to the great Tolkien tales of Lord of the Rings and how there's story upon story of, you know, leaving the, the Shire and heading out into the, the land of Mordor, which is, of course, the land where Mount Doom is and, and Sauron, the evil lord, is there. So putting one's life on the line, sacrificing oneself, uh, in a very real-world sense, I, I had started off this hero's 
uh, sort of mini-sewed uh, session that I've been doing with the story of Maximilian Kolbe uh, from World War II at the concentration camp in Auschwitz and how he stood in for another individual who was sentenced to die in a starvation bunker. I mean, the, the man literally sacrificed his life for, for the life of another, of another person. And now, again, I, not to gloss over it, the, the man is remembered as a hero for what he did because of the sacrifice that he made. So this is an incredibly powerful component of the human experience that not many people are ever going to experience fully, this idea of, of big sacrifice to go out and be a hero. I mean, I just looking at my own life and, and things that I've witnessed, uh, probably one of the biggest heroes in my immediate circle of, of, uh, of influence and, and people that I know is, would have to be my own mother. Uh, I mean, my, my father, I don't know if many people who listen to this know this, my, my dad was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease before I was even born. And my mom and my, my father had been married at just a very short time when he was diagnosed. And when something like that happens, and there's not a lot of medical experience about it, but we know the disease exists, it's a pretty bleak, almost uh, grim outlook for the future. And yet here they are, almost 40 years later, still married. My mom has stood by my father uh, through some really, really tough times uh, with him having Parkinson's and it obviously being a very progressive ailment. Uh, I've had the firsthand witness of seeing a woman sacrifice much of her own probably great desires of what her marriage she wanted it to look like, sacrificing it for the sake of that I, I love this man, I love my children, I love my sons, and I want this family to thrive, right? I don't want it to fall apart. I don't want it to be another statistic necessarily. And so when I think of a heroic move within a family unit, I, I think of my mother and uh, her enduring ability to st stand within the, the chaos of a disease that, that still today is, is without a real solution. Uh, and, you know, my dad, being in his late 60s now, who's had it for more than half of his life, uh, has, has done quite well with it considering uh, having to retire early and everything else. But, but my mom has been able to be that hero for him throughout all of this, sacrificing a lot of the things that she maybe wanted to do, but can't or couldn't because of, you know, his ailment and places he can't go to and, and spaces he can't walk in. Uh, but but uh, I've been able to witness that firsthand, and, and that's been such a huge, huge part of my upbringing to see that sort of heroic nature in my mother and that spirit of, of heroism inside of her and that, that ability to sacrifice, especially for such a long period of time. But and again, I'm, I'm not trying to say that their marriage has been all about her sacrificing everything, but, but in the context of that struggle that they've had, uh, I've seen that as being a very heroic thing. So, so thanks to, to uh, Mi Madre for, for doing uh, so well there uh, in that with, with Dad. But I, I do want to end this on one last, uh, one last note of, is it heroic to be a writer? Because obviously this is a, this is a writing podcast. It's a, it's a podcast where I talk about writing specifically. So is it heroic to be a writer? And I will say, obviously, yes, in some sense, or else why would I? I'm such a coward for being a writer. But I will say it only because of one thing, and that's 
to the point of the the last four items that I was I was talking about is that it's it can be very unfamiliar territory for someone to put their thoughts down and risk other people reading them and judging them. So it's very unfamiliar, I think, for people to do that. So so that's criteria one uh, and criteria two. Um, but it's it's also far easier to let someone else try and do it. Like I said before, letting someone else kind of take the reins and get their thoughts out there and you know try to be of influence, uh, you know, in culture, societal issues, whatever it is. But as a, as a writer, you can have some impact. I mean, you can put your thoughts out there, like I said, and be it in a fictional world uh, or be it in nonfiction. You know, if you're writing for, you know, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, or you know, whatever it may be. But then lastly, uh, just the sacrifice that you have to make. Uh, I mean, not to say that I make supreme sacrifices uh, for my writing around my family or anything else, but just knowing that when you do have downtime, I, I want to be able to use it for things like this, like this podcast. I want to be able to use it for my reading and my writing to become better at both of those. So there is some sacrifice to be had where maybe I could be thinking about, you know, uh, you know, going out with a couple friends on like a Friday or Saturday night instead of staying in and doing some research or, or just little things like that that I find myself doing from time to time where I'd rather be learning and growing in something rather than out socializing and, and maybe uh, doing those kinds of things. Not to say that I don't do those things. I, I don't want anyone to think I'm some sort of hermit, you know, hermit <laughs> or whatever. But uh, but there are certain things that you have to sacrifice for, as well as uh, I would say even sacrificing uh, just uh, more of a private existence being a writer by by people knowing you by virtue of what you write about can be a bit of a, a sacrifice in a sense. So so that would be my defense of, of why, why I would say being a writer uh, can be tend to be heroic, at least in that sense. Because uh, of, of course, I've got to I've got to plug writing it at some point. Because again, I'm I'm one myself, and and this again is the writer's lens. So, but anyway, guys, to kind of wrap it up, as I said, uh, I'm still doing some episodes here on uh, the concept of the hero, and I'm going to be continuing on that in the next episode. I'm actually going to take a break from the hero because I've been setting this all up with this episode to talk about known and unknown territory and why it's so difficult to be heroes in general, why it's so hard to be the hero of our own story. And if we're not the hero of our own story, then what are we? Are we a supporting character? Are we just sort of the mentor figure? Are we being discipled by somebody? Like, where are we in the larger narrative? Because if we're none of those things, then is it possible that we're the villain? <laughs> okay, is it, uh, and, and what is a villain, really? Uh, that's what I want to talk about in the next episode. So if you like the idea of villains and you've been so tired of hearing me talk about heroes and, and all their virtues and, and great ethics and values, then uh, please stick around for the next episode where I'm going to dive into the world of the villain, which I, I, I think will actually be pretty fun to do. Uh, I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed doing these hero episodes, but... Talking about villains sometimes, it just it, it pricks that that sort of uh, um, dark nerve inside of all of us that, that just wants to be touched every now and again. So anyway, but uh, again, guys, if uh, you want to support this podcast, you can go to patron.podbean.com slash jclfelto. Uh, you can help support this podcast, keep it rocking and rolling. Or just, like I said, like and subscribe or share it with your friends. I'm not against any of any of you doing any of those things. Or if you know someone who might be interested in, in uh, listening in on some of this content, then, you know, like I said, share away. So I appreciate it. 
So appreciate you guys. I will catch up with you again next week talking about villains. This is Josh, JCL Felto for The Writer's Lens. I'll see you then.